1: I can't remember what I was supposed to say. Has
0: <laughs> <laughs> a reoccurring role on HBO Ballers.
1: Mark Slareth, handsome sub-bitch, get out here.
0: And makes one hell of a bowl of green chili. It's Mark Slareth, and this is the Stinkin' Truth Podcast.
1: Hey, welcome in to the Stinkin' Truth Podcast. Your host, Mark Slareth, along with my co-host, Mike Evans, producer, Scott DeHuff. Getting a little shaggy over there, Scott, but uh, still looking good. Still looking good. You know what you look like? You look like you're thirsty. And you could hydrate this whole room with Core Water. pH balanced water, ultra purified and balanced with electrolytes to match your body's natural pH level of 7.4. There are a uh, there are presenting sponsor and the water is absolutely delicious. I'm actually wearing my Core hat. Did you guys see this? Did you guys get your Core hats?
0: No. Nope,
1: nope still looking for mine. Well, your head is so giant, Mike, that they don't make a hat that's going to fit on that. That big melon, of yours. it is a big squash. It is a huge squash. Now, I'll bring you guys in some hats, as far as you know. Um, so don't even worry about it, don't even think twice. Uh, award winning, crisp, clean taste, wide mouth bottle, perfect for faster hydration. You can find core water in your neighborhood 7 Eleven, it's one with a blue cap. Core water, pH balanced water. Learn more at hydratewithcore.com. What do you got, Michael? What do I got? Yeah, I mean, what do you there, got, there, man? There's, there's no
0: shortage of stuff. I, you know, here's. Here's was was funny that I heard. The Jets came out and said they weren't ready mm-hmm. for Baker Mayfield. Really, right. really? You, you you went into a defensive game plan for the Jet for the for the Browns, thinking that Terod was untouchable. Like, who was and that? Th- there was no way that they might go to Baker Mayfield.
1: Let me ask you this: Like, who said they weren't ready? Was it the coaches? Was was Jamal, it the Adams. Jamal Adams. Jamal Adams wasn't ready for Baker Mayfield. They weren't ready for the hype, the energy, the the game plan. I mean, what were they not ready for? Like, I understand, here's what happens, I think, a lot of times to NFL franchises when all of a sudden, because we've seen this a million times before, the backup quarterback comes in, um, kind of lights a fire, creates a spark, and the defenses don't know how to react necessarily. And I think what happens to coordinators oftentimes is they completely go non-aggressive. They're like, oh, we don't know what this guy has. And it was so vanilla during the preseason, we're not exactly sure how to attack him. So let's just lay back and see if he makes any mistakes. And then the whole offense gets confidence, and the next thing you know, um, you can't can't get out of your own way. Now, I will say this, man. That Thursday night, highest-rated Thursday night football game in the history of Thursday night football, it's Cleveland Browns and the Jets is the highest rated one. When Baker Mayfield took the took the field and Baker Mayfield took the field. Baker Mayfield took the field. Sounds funny. Anyhow, when Baker took the field, let's just go with that. Baker when Bra- when Baker took the field, <laughs> that just sounds better to me. When Baker took the field, I mean, there's the undeniable energy. Now, Todd Bowles, the head coach of the Jets, said, "No, I, we didn't notice anything." You know, there, now there was an undeniable energy that came along with Baker taking the field, and then when he started moving around, started playing off schedule, started making big throws. I mean, that thing was it was amazing what he was able to accomplish, and I got to be honest with you, man. I was a little bit caught up in Baker mania. I was like, I found myself rooting for the Browns. Like I wanted to see the chains come off the Bud Light canister things, you know, and I want to see people drunk. I mean, I just thought I was like, I'm in. I was like totally Browns fan at that particular moment. It was was a really cool thing to be witness to, to, to be a part of. Did you not find yourself, like, kind of rooting for Baker Mania? Yeah, I mean, it was very interesting.
0: And and Baker Mania, this is a guy who, of all the the young quarterbacks that were taken this year, there is a Tebow-esque quality to the hype that surrounds him, the fervor that surrounds him. Would you agree? Absolutely. Much more so than Darnold or Rosen. Or you know certainly Josh Allen. Maybe it's because he's he's flamboyant. Uh, he's 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 small. You know he's the right. idea that he's sort of an underdog and he's going to go in and shake up everything right. in the NFL. There he's he's got a Tebow quality about him, but he's the anti-Tebow, of course. By the way, he you know acted in college. Right. And some of the things he did, but he, here's the thing about Baker. Do you think it's sustainable? Is this a guy that's going to come out? And only build on what he did. Or do you see inevitable, you know, real challenges mm. for this
1: guy? Real fail failings yeah. for this guy. Right. It, isn't it interesting? Because he was or is uh, or his fan base has that, that Tebow-esque, like, fervor for this guy. Um, mania, you can call it, you know, being zealots, you, whatever you want to call it. Um, they love the dude. And, and you know, I got a lot of, I got. You a lot found of, out in the whole oh lead Lord. up to the draft process, right? I, two, two things actually happened to me, like that, that people hated. I criticized the Heisman, which I've done ever since I can remember, because I don't like it. I don't like the trophy. I don't like the. I don't like the fact that it's a, an award for the best college football player, and it only goes to running backs or quarterbacks. I think that's. I think it's. A farce. It's ridiculous. And I always go back to Terrell Suggs. His last year at Arizona State had 24 sacks. And had like, I don't know, six forced fumbles. And I mean, it was just, it, the numbers were ridiculous. He didn't he didn't finish in the top 10. Didn't get invited to New York. Like, how do you get 24 sacks and at the time it was packed in football and, and you can't even get an invite? Like, stop it. I think Carson Palmer won it. You know, Suggs probably sacked him seven times. I, I, I just thought the whole thing was ridiculous, and I've always felt that way. Um, and Dominican Sue was another guy that was clearly probably the best college football player at that time. But it doesn't go to the best college football player. So I was critical of that, and everybody thought I was being mean to Baker. You know, all his fans, like, ooh. So, you know, then, of course, you know me. I'm going to get a little ballsy. Right. And like, I'll, you know, you want to spar on Twitter or social media? I'll spar with you. So there, there's that part of it. Then the other thing I said on Colin Cowherd show on the herd was I don't buy into the 71% completion rate. Cause I think it's an inflated rate. Just like I don't buy into Josh Allen only completing 58% of his passes. I think somewhere in the middle lies the truth. And in, in that, you know, that, that offense at Oklahoma that's a spread style of offense where a lot of your reads are are already made for you, where you're going to throw five or six bubble screens and you're going to throw some swing passes. You know, you walk into a game plan, in my mind, with a completion, pre- like you're you're 12 for 12 walking in. So if you complete 50% of your passes the rest of the time, you know, so I was always like, so let's calm down on that. And people thought it was an absolute affront to Baker Mayfield. Um you're going back and actually, and now again, you have to remember this is pre-draft. Before I've even looked at anything, I've watched a couple of games on television. You know that that's about the extent of of what I've watched of college football. So going back and really looking at him later, you no, know, he's a very skilled quarterback. But I think the biggest thing was on Thursday night, man. He's just ballsy. Dude can extend the play. He made some throws where it's just like I don't give a rip. I'm going to let her rip, and I'm going to put it in an area where you know that there is no defense for the perfect throw and you saw him you saw him do that he threw a seam i I remember i think it was to landry uh landry jones is it landry jones jarvis landry yeah same thing jarvis landry landry jones jarvis landry how did i come up with landry jones he's a quarterback right that's
0: all right i've been calling josh Rosen, sam rosen
1: yeah that's a good point so landry uh, no not landry jones jarvis landry Lord have mercy. But he threw a, he threw a seam to, to Jarvis Landry. It was just, it was freaking phenomenal. Just phenomenal. He had a couple beautiful, he had a pass, who's number 11? for the uh, Anyhow, he had a pass on a corner route on the sideline that there was zero, I mean, there was no room for error. Just dropped it right in, the guy dropped it. He had another one where Jarvis Landry dropped one. But he was, man, he was money, dude. He was ballsy. You got to give him a lot of credit. Now, Teams will game plan and teams will look at him and say, hey, he does these three things well, but this is, you know, this is a weakness and we're going to make him, you know, we're going to make him play, quote unquote, left handed, make him, you know, throw it into his weaknesses and we'll see how he fares. But like he is, he's won me over and I would have drafted him. I, I, I've, I said it, I stand by it just coming out of the system that he came out of i wouldn't i wouldn't have drafted him not under center and all that kind of stuff and it hasn't bothered him a lot. are you coming around to
0: the idea that maybe you got to let that go the the idea that the the college systems aren't conducive to the NFL i mean aren't we just seeing too many examples of the game yeah. is, is opening up
1: right. to the point
0: where okay. the NFL is clearly taking its cues oh. from from college
1: yeah they're they're con, they're continuing to expand or put more of that into what they do as as a football team or as a as a kind of a, a football league I think one of the things you have to understand though Mike is that is that as I talked to Kyle Shanahan doing a game last year head coach of the San Francisco 49ers He said the only thing you can truly evaluate out of that system watching it on film is quarterbacks arm strength So you have to do a much better job of making sure that guy understands concepts Understands coverage understands because there's a lot of those systems where the coach goes throw it here on this play Throw it here on this play and it's a one read option And so I mean come on we just went through the Paxton Lynch experiment here in Denver I mean that guy couldn't play dead in a Western He's he's terrible and it really comes down to he can't process the information It's not the skill set he can't process the information and he comes out of that system. So I think, yes, my Mike, you have to I think I have to change kind of my way of thinking about college systems or the college spread system. But at the same time, you better find a quarterback who really understands football, who yeah. really gets it. And I, I think I think there's a, a balance there. And you know, you, you gotta you gotta do your due diligence, man. And obviously, that kid's a football junkie. You know, he, he gets it. Um, he's he's fun to watch, man. He is fun to watch. It didn't
0: take long. All four rookie quarterbacks are going to be starting this weekend. Baker, Darnold, Allen, mm-hmm. now Al Rosen. You're going to be doing that game with the uh, Cardinals this week. So you're going to get to see Josh Rosen's NFL debut. So do, do you get the sense or it's early 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 returns but based on what you've seen and just the overall vibe do you think this group is going to live up to the hype Ooh. i mean you heard the hype yeah. going into the draft that this might be the best quarterback class since the 83 class that gave us marino elway kelly
1: right champagne tony eason champagne tony eason todd blackledge todd blackledge ken o'brien ken o'brien Three of those guys are Hall of Famers. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Three aren't. <laughs> three of them played. But, Although Ken O'Brien had, Ken O'Brien had a pretty good career. Tony Eason. Tony Eason went, str- to, a went to a Super Bowl. Bowl yeah, beat forty-six yeah. ten. Um, I think that was the score. You're a New England guy, yeah, right? It was close. Yeah. yeah. I think the score was not indicative of how well they played that game. Yeah, year. it was not. It was <laughs> much closer than it really was. No. <laughs> um, I would say, I would say, yeah, I, I mean. I think that I think all these guys have a chance to be really good, and I think as the league, like you talked about, continues to evolve to their strengths. I mean, we see it all the time. Look at what Mahomes is doing. Mahomes is absolutely outrageous. What he's been doing. Um, of course, he's got you know more talent than he knows what to do with. And well, actually, no, he's got so much talent. He seems to know what to do with it. He's thirteen touchdowns, no interceptions. So right I, I I look at all these guys I think they're exceptionally talented I was impressed with Josh Allen you know playing Minnesota and making plays and I you know for the most part I think they're all exceptionally talented and they all have a great chance you know to a great chance to be to be very good NFL quarterbacks but you got to be
0: careful I I get it but but you got to be careful because these young quarterbacks come in with so much fanfare mm-hmm and you know look at look at Dak Prescott for example right you know just a couple of years ago it was like wow you know yes. the cowboys have their guy right you know you're looking at a what a find in the in the in the mid rounds of the draft round, fourth right. round and now you're staring at a cowboys offense that is currently second to last in the league in passing yards per game points per game you look at you look at that that offense with the Cowboys it's it's awful 13.7 it's, points per game yeah. and, and where are the signs it's going to get better
1: yeah there are you know i i think there are a couple things there though mike i think when you look at that team they were predicated on having the best offensive line in football and they built around that and they created concepts to take advantage of that and Dak Prescott in those concepts was great The other thing they have taken out of that offense, to some degree, is Dak Prescott's ability to threaten a defense on the edge running the ball. Like, they don't want to put him in harm's way. And so now you have a receiving core that's depleted, that doesn't have a real kind of go-to guy, a real you know alpha dog, if you will, and the one part of your offense that was a strength became a weakness. I mean, think about it. Um, Smith, your left tackle, has had chronic back issues. You've got a kid at, at left guard who's a rookie who's just getting worked over. You lost Travis Frederick, who's an all-star center, to Guillaume barre syndrome. Um, the, the guy you played more money, I think he's the highest-paid guard in football, and Zach Martin hurt his knee in preseason and has not played at the same level. And um Collins at the right tackle is I mean I think he's a good player I think he's a better guard than he is a tackle so what you 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 predicated your whole team on building this beastly offensive line to just dominate the line of scrimmage and because of injuries and and last year you lost um Zeke Elliott you know suspensions and everything else you just you become decimated by the injuries and and you're no longer built to do what it is that you're capable of doing I mean you're you know, so you don't have the other pieces around the puzzle because you can't dominate up front like you used to. Um, the other pieces of the puzzle can't do what they're supposed to do simply because you've lost the battle line of scrimmage. And, and you know, I, I just... I, no Dez, no Witten. Right. I just watched their their tape from um, last weekend against the Seahawks. The Seahawks dominated them up front. I mean, you absolutely dominated them. And um, dominated them back end as well. Now, now Zeke had a bunch of yards... Russian, he did um he popped a, a, a couple of long runs i mean he popped them and and it was good uh, obviously but they couldn't back it up with the throwing game at all and they were you know pop out runs um on zone read type of stuff that was you know i mean w- when you're down there in eight man boxes and you're crushing them if you if you get a crease you're gonna you know you're gonna go a long way cowboys gonna be lucky to win six games this year yeah, I mean, really, they'd be really fortunate to win six. Really fortunate. And since we're on the subject of, you know, how, how
0: much, how much hype do we really believe around these these top quarterbacks? Jameis Winston was the number one overall pick, Mark. Number one overall pick, mm. and now here we are, just a few years later, debating about whether or not he should get his job back or you stay with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Right. I mean, did you see enough magic? The other night to stay with Fitzmagic,
1: yeah. Would you go back to Winston? No, I would. I would stick with Ryan Fitzpatrick. And um, you know, there was some there. Like one interception was a tip ball. One interception was it looked like his receiver just quit running the route. He threw it to a spot where his receiver was supposed to go to, and his receiver just adjusted the route. Um, and one was you know he got hit and the ball floated on him when he got hit, and it was a you know pick six. Um, trying to dump it to the running back so I mean I I think every one of them tells a story and that story was you know Pittsburgh made a bunch of plays so he still drove them back through three touchdowns had them in a game where you know they ended up losing 27 to 30 but I think right now you would look at the energy that it brings you would look at the way they have played in general now one of those you know, one of the tip interceptions—they were in the—they were like inside the fifteen-yard line, ready to score. So, I mean, I think, I think you look at that stuff and you say, man, there is no reason we should move off of Ryan Fitzpatrick. Like those mistakes were mistakes because he got hit, and you know that those things happen. Um, I and mean, they just weren't—they weren't dumb decision mistakes. And I think that's the difference is that Jameis Winston, even though he's the number one overall pick. You could go through his games as a as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer and he, he re- repeats the same mistakes. It's almost playing hero ball. You know, I'm going to take chances that I shouldn't take with the football. And I know the guys on that team really love Jameis. Um, I know they respect him and his leadership and everything else. But I think Ryan Fitzpatrick has been fun for them. And they're sitting at 2-1 and one right now. I just don't think if you're Dirk Cutter, their head coach, you can— you can make that move. But when do you do it? Because Jameis
0: Winston is the, okay, air quote, quarterback of the future, you know, for, for this Tampa Bay team. Right. So when do you get on with the idea that this guy is is still your guy long-term? I mean, how much well, do you stay with this, this, this short-term answer at the expense of developing and getting back to the guy that is your future? Well, let me ask you long-term? this. Long-term. Let me ask you this.
1: How important is it for Dirk Cutter to keep his job? Well, didn't Dirk Cutter get the job because of his relationship with Winston? Yeah, but he won't keep the job because he's got a relationship with Winston. He'll keep the job because he gets a lot of Ws. So right now, in my mind, in my mind is pretty simple, but in my mind, Fitzpatrick gives you the best chance to win ball games. How long of a leash is he on, though? Oh, it's short. I mean, it, it. If he has another game where he throws three picks and a couple of them are dumb, like dumb decision picks, he'll get he'll get yanked. But at this, so it's, point, th- it's still game by game. Then, yeah, at this point, you just gotta you gotta play it that way. You Even gotta,
0: though the guy's done something no other quarterback's done in history, that is have three straight games over four hundred yards.
1: Right. It's still got to equate to wins. But you're again, you're two and one. You can't you can't make that move for a guy that has been suspended, hasn't been around the facility for three weeks, has is prone to making the same mistakes over and over again. No, you, you just can't make that decision. If you're Dirk Cutter th- right now, it's about survival. It's not it's not about, hey, I need to develop like I need to develop. Jameis Winston, because he's the quarterback of the future here. Like, uh, the future will be without me. So I got to do what's best for my career, and that's win games. You
0: know, when it comes to Fitzpatrick, it, we've seen this
1: before in his career,
0: you know, where we mm. had the, the white-hot right, 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 right. play, and then yeah. it, you know, falls off. So is it you – know, be, be careful because clock will hit mud, midnight right. with this guy eventually, so – be careful! Look for the signs, that kind of thing.
1: Right then, the carriage will turn into a pumpkin again, and you know, and we're going to be, you know, out of glass slipper. Um, I think you've got to. I think you've got to legitimately look at that. But I, I think the bottom line for me is one of the things that has been so impressive about Ryan Fitzpatrick, um, you know, last Monday night, notwithstanding, is his ability to be deadly accurate with the football on off-platform stuff when things break down and he's got to move around in the pocket and he's got to throw off-balance, off-platform, sidearm, whatever it takes, and being deadly accurate on the money with those situations. That, to me, has been one of the most impressive things I've seen. I've always said that Aaron Rodgers is the most accurate off-platformer thrower I've ever seen. Like, the first two games, Brian Fitzpatrick rivaled like Aaron Rodgers off platform. I'm not saying he's got the arm strength or the talent or any of that stuff, but, I mean, you go through, look at the awkward, some of the awkward touchdown throws he made where it just looks, like, unnatural the way he threw the football and how it got right on the receiver, just on the money, in the hands. So, as long as he continues to do those things, especially when things break down, um, I think he continues to hold on to this job. Should so that be fun be, to watch. He's been a, it's been a great yeah, watch. Been great watch. Great watch. Are you done? I'm done. <laughs> That's it? I got nothing. The
0: Huff? I'm staring at that core water hat. Nice hat. You
1: got one to Huff? Nope, but I am parched. Oh, you don't have any core water either? I don't have any core water. I got a boatload at my yeah. ass. <laughs> <laughs> Tell you what. Man,
0: you're such a selfish ass. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> i'll bring you guys one water one water all right one core you guys water. can share it <laughs> right uh, <full>. <laughs> <laughs> that's our presenting sponsor core water <laughs> thank you to core water thanks to all of you guys for listening downloading the podcast listening uh faithfully we appreciate it please uh spread the word if you love the podcast spread it to all your friends if you hate it um tell no one or i'll find you and i am yoked for everybody uh associated with the uh the Sticky Truth Podcast for Scott, for Mike, I'm Mark. Uh, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back with you later on in the week.